We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, do you have thoughts poking you in the back of your head about what Anthony Lynn did last game? If you have a question or hot take about the Chargers that you'd like to tell us, you can send it in through the new Guilty as Charged mailbag. To get your question in, leave us a review including the question on the Apple Podcasts page for the show. We'll be checking the reviews regularly and answering them ASAP. You could ask me to clarify my opinion on Josh McDaniels for the 20th time. Or ask Steven which Utah Ute player he wants to overdraft in the second round. Tyler can even write you a soliloquy about Young Wei Koo and how he represents the Asian community if asked nicely. If you don't have Apple Podcasts because you're a loser and your friends make fun of you for having an Android like me, no big deal. You can also email the show through guiltyascharged at gmail.com or participate in the monthly Patreon Q&A. Give us your hot takes. The world is your oyster. Bolt up! Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are officially done with the Chargers 2020 season as the Chargers went into Arrowhead and won 38-21 over the Chiefs backups. Uh, joining me, Stephen, as always, are Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you. How are you doing, man? Um, doing pretty good. Uh, I mean, we got Philip Rivers in the playoffs, so that's fun. Yeah. It, it looks like Anthony Lynn is fired, question mark, but uh, we'll find that out tomorrow, so... Things are things are looking up. <laughs> things are looking up. And shout out to Philip Rivers, man. I'm excited to see his his one last, well, likely last hurrah. We don't know what the future holds for him just yet. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, wrapping up the season, it, it feels nice. You know, the fact that they haven't lost for a while, maybe that's not a good thing for the team and Anthony Lynn, but they haven't lost for a while. And it just feels nice. Like, I'm happy the season is over. 
and I didn't hate it. And I'm happy to watch Justin Herbert the whole time. Yeah, you know, we'll get to all the coaching stuff, but I think, you know, rightfully so, we should start with Justin Herbert and what he was able to do. A um, little bummed that he didn't get the passing yards record. You know, shout out to Anthony Lynn for taking the ball out of his hands <laughs> the last couple of weeks and Jalen Guyton for dropping some passes today. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still had a, a such a good game today. You know, he was in full control of the offense and and just being able to see how he's grown mentally throughout the season has been so much fun for me to watch. Um, ultimately, he did, you know, break Cam Newton's record for total touchdowns. Uh, and he set, uh, well, he tied the franchise record with Philip Rivers for eight 300 yard passing games. So, really, just a special, special season from Justin Herbert. And, you know, he still says that the game is, is fast for him. And if that's really the case, man, I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Michael, or Justin Herbert was pretty fantastic. Um, you know, he was getting the ball out pretty quickly. Uh, I, I thought this might be a sneaky, challenging game out on defense. The Chiefs have forced a lot of interceptions, positive turnover differential. I think the Chiefs are only like second to the Steelers or were second to the Steelers coming into this game uh, and getting interceptions. So yeah. I thought that could be slightly challenging. But, you know, I mean, he was getting the ball out, uh, going to a lot of different receivers. Uh, Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, Johnson Parham, Anderson, um, and Mike Williams had a huge game again. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's, uh, was a pretty great game from Herbert. Uh, I, I liked had a slide pass that he had to, uh, par him there, which opened him up for the touchdown. Yeah. yeah there were just a, a lot of great moments in this game. Uh, unfortunately, he was kind of getting sacked and pressured a lot, uh, which I didn't love, but, uh, no, I mean, he played pretty great, uh, final game of the year and he certainly left an impression for 2021. I really think that this might be the best performance considering the circumstances for a Chargers player since maybe LT's record-breaking season. I understand that maybe like Rivers has a better statistical seasons, but considering everything and the fact that Justin Herbert has, what, 36 touchdowns to maybe like 12 or 13 total turnovers in a COVID offseason, in spite of his coaches with the worst offensive line in football, all the injuries on offense, finishing tonight with almost no help, outside of Mike Williams and for him, for Justin Herbert to just walk into a game week two against this chiefs team you know, and play fine, but then finish out the year with four touchdowns, no turnovers against this team. Yeah. Everything that he's done this year, all the records he's broken. I, I really think I, I haven't seen something like this in, in a long time. And I get that it's not his ceiling. You know, this isn't statistically the greatest performance in chargers, you know, in recent memory, but it just feels like it's just, so monumental. What he did was so special and nobody would, I, I, I would have been happy with 25 touchdowns, absolutely 15 interceptions. Like if it was a close to like a two to one ratio, that would have been fine. The fact that it's, you know, three to one at this point, I'm, I'm it, it's, it's amazing. I'm really at a loss for words for how good he, he has been this season and how, I mean, he could go 40 touchdowns next season. No problem. You know, even if Lynn returns, whatever. But <laughs> he's just, he defied all expectations, even the best. And and I'm so proud of him. I can't believe that we went from, I, mean, I guess you can kind of consider Ryan Leaf, but, you know, Breeze to Rivers to Herbert. It's just what, a, what how fortunate are we yes. that although we don't have a Super Bowl, the fact that we just get to watch maybe next year a top five quarterback in the league is after going from rivers and breeze and two you know future hall of famers 
that's just ridiculous. So we're, we're very, so fortunate. Um, and the reason I feel so good today after finishing the season, despite being seven and nine and a coach being fired is because of Justin Herbert. And, you know, absolutely. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Justin Herbert, who's not listening to this, but whatever <laughs> um, for, for such a nice season, because um, I'm, I'm speechless, honestly. That's Fantastic a great job. way of putting it, you know, and he really has been the shining star of this season. And, you know, I agree. Uh, you know, none of us really were like super excited about the pick. We all understood it. You know, we kind of figured that that was going to be the pick. Um, but if you had told me back in August that Justin Herbert would get five minutes to prepare for his first start and then he would start the next 15 games and have multiple passing touch passing records, I would have said you were crazy. Oof. You know, I would have been uh-huh. I would have been thrilled with, you know, like 3,500 yards, 20 passing touchdowns, something like that. I thought that would have been, you know, a, a sure. good season for him. Um, he ends up with 31 passing touchdowns, 36 total touchdowns, the record for passing completions, the record for most 300 yard passing game, passing games, the record for multiple, multiple touchdown passing games and the record for three touchdown passing games. And he winds up just 39 yards short of the yards record. It's, it truly is just a crazy, crazy season. And, you know, all three of us were pretty high on Tua. We've seen how he struggled in his rookie season. You know, Joe Burrow had some, had some tough games. And for Justin Herbert to come out and do what he did this season with a lack of offseason, with five minutes prepare for his first start, we're never going to see anything like it. You know, someone might break mm-hmm. his records down the road, uh, you know, just the way that the passing, uh, the, the way that this league has become such an, a passing league. It wouldn't surprise me if his records didn't last that long. But we're never going to see this kind of season from a rookie quarterback again. Nope. And, it truly is just a special, special season from someone that I'm. I'm so excited to see what he does from the from the rest of for the rest of his career. I mean, the season was so good that you know teams really might start experimenting with, uh, you know, giving their starting quarterback uh, pneumothorax, uh, and then you know <laughs> experimenting there, and maybe that becomes a new process uh, or technique in developing rookies. <laughs> Which just such a bizarre season, man. When they were doing the whole like season recap today, I was just like looking back on it. You know, it was just such a crazy turn of events. And you know, we were we were big Tyrod people, and you know, we were excited to see what he could do with his shot. But um, I think this team probably is like two and fourteen with all the injuries. If Tyrod was were still starting, so uh, just grateful for Justin Herbert, and also you know Kenneth Murray also broke a record for most tackles by a rookie. And, and I fully am, am aware of, you know, tackles not being the, the end all be all in terms of evaluating linebackers, but you know, he too, like he didn't have an off season, you know, he's been calling plays all year for this team, despite, you know, being the rookie. And, and so for him to get over hundred tackles and break Derwin James's record for most tackles by a rookie, you know, Kenneth Murray had a special season too. It may, maybe not, obviously not quite to the scale that Justin Herbert had, but you know, this this team was very fortunate with their two first picks this year. Extremely fortunate. Uh, I mean, Loki, Kenneth Murray, you know, kind of came into the same situation similarly to Justin Herbert, which is, you know, Drew Tranquil goes down the first week um, and he was yeah. sort of supposed to be the starting guy from the beginning uh, and Murray has to fill in. Right. So, you know, it's not quite to the scale of Tyrod and Justin Herbert, but um, for a rookie linebacker to be as good as he was on uh, stopping the run. And I think he improved uh, as play calling went on during the season, just and kind of using his body and being a physical presence. Um, that was just uh, great to see. I, you know, eight games in, I was sort of mixed on the pick, but 
really ever since I don't know yeah. Bills Patriots game. I was completely sold on him, um, and he's just been getting better and better every week. Yeah, beginning of the season, I thought, okay, pretty good first game. And that second game, he has that great pass breakup against like Tyree Kill or whatever. Yeah, and I'm thinking, wow, this guy's really something. And then he kind of just kind of tails off and kind of gets picked on in coverage. Isn't missing tackles, but isn't really standing out. And then I think it was sometime like after the Oakland game, I think he just started to pick it up. And and then that Patriots game, he had a coming out party. And then ever since then, maybe not spectacular play like that Patriots game, but he's just kind of steadily been good, very, very solid. And for him to break Derwin James' rookie tackle record with and with a much higher tackling efficiency, you know, missing fewer tackles, that's pretty impressive. I, you know, Derwin James isn't a guy who just misses tackles. So for him to do that, a hundred, hundred, what was hundred and seventy finish with or something like that, hundred and eight. I don't know where he's at now. I think it was one hundred six, but, but yeah. So for him to be, you know, where he is, I, I was, I would, we actually were all pretty happy with the pick. Honestly, yeah, we thought it would be Patrick we Queen when they moved up. Um, but I know like you and Jason had Kenneth Murray graded, you know, pretty, pretty fairly well. Um, so it was definitely a surprise and it was much needed pick. And for, for them to just, for both Herbert and Murray to go on this little upswing heading into the off season and with, you know, the, the excitement that maybe we get a new head coach and the excitement that Derwin James and Joey Bosa, these guys are coming back. There's a lot to be excited about. You know, the seven yeah. or nine team can make a little bit of a good, good jump next season for sure. Yeah, I think honestly, you know, we'll see what happens with the coaching move, coaching decision. We'll get to that a little bit more in a second. But you know, this team has a ton of talent, and with a full off season next year, you know, maybe we see a nicely four from Jerry Tillery. You know, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it, it's possible. You know, there are there are other players who could you know come into their own, and of course, you get Derwin back and Drew Tranquil and and all these players, and, and obviously there's up you know there's a lot up in the air in terms of the secondary and and defensive line with Melvin Ingram. But, you know, there, there is a lot of palpable excitement for next season. And obviously it starts with the young guys. Um, I was pretty excited to see Alohi Gilman out there. You know, I I wasn't too excited about that pick, but I thought he played pretty well today. Um, You know, there were a couple of solid plays where he made, I think he had one pass breakup. Um, So that's something to, to maybe keep an eye on in, in the off season too, is, you know, they drafted him to be the next Adrian Phillips, you know, versatile linebacker slash safety hybrid type of player. So um, I thought he played pretty well today and, and it was good to see him and, and a bunch of other young guys get some more playing time today. Except for Joshua Kelly, that one <laughs> and is Joe rough. And Joe Reed, who had a fumble recovery or muffed punt recovery. Yeah. Um, but the Joshua Kelly pick, man, whatever, you know, leveling that who was it Frank Clark. Or someone to sack Justin Herbert. It's just, oh, it was bad. It's been a, it was, it was bad. bad. And the, the same kind of effort and look that he had against on the blocked punt, I believe, uh, just rough overall. But yeah, like you said, Alohi Gilman, who I thought was the worst player that they drafted based on his <laughs> team. Yeah. And if I mean, the fact that they just, they drafted him and they're like, yeah, he's our special teamer. Like, oh, that's it. Like, you're not even going to, usually you'll say the same coach speak, GM speak, whatever. It's like, oh, you know, we'll mix and match him with defense. We like the depth or whatever. Yeah. No, they're just like, yeah, he's a special teamer. It's like great. That's Sweet. fantastic. Yeah. So, and then he wasn't very good anyway. So it's like, oh God, here comes the Telesco Notre Dame guy. So for him to have a nice little debut, um, is he out with a concussion or was he being evaluated for a concussion? He was being evaluated. I don't think we ever heard. Um, okay. It looked to me more of like a stinger because his arm kind of went mm. limp a little bit. Um, gotcha. But, you know, we'll see, you know, depending on who does the interview and press conference tomorrow, what how that is. Um, Austin yeah. Eckler, of course, had the concussion as well. There were a ton of injuries in this game, man. 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. I want to, you know, give a shout out to DeAndre Baker. Hopefully he's able to bounce yeah. back from that knee injury, which was brutal. It was just, I think there were like four or five injuries in this game was, which is never fun to see. Yeah, no, it was, it was brutal. And that's why you sit some of these guys. I mean, I don't think Andy Reid's team really needs a tune up, especially with that bye no. week. So for them to sit there, guys, I mean, that would have stunk, you know, if Mahomes goes down, Kelsey goes down, any of these guys go down. So, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, Baker can recover. I know he was, I don't know if it was this season he was cut, but getting picked up by the Chiefs and having this, you know, fresh start, that's awesome. And for him to go down with a, looks like a pretty nasty injury, that sucks. So hoping for the best for him. I mean, it's super cool uh, that we let Anthony Lynn uh, take Joshua Kelly uh, and then we're going <laughs> to fire him tomorrow. That's um, super awesome going forward. Uh, I'm really excited about that draft pick. But um, no, I mean, everyone was okay today, I guess, in the run game. Um, you know, Eckler, uh, Jackson obviously took the big run. Uh, they gave it to Balazs 13 times, which is, I, okay, don't understand why you're doing that. Don't really get what the purpose of Balazs is at this point. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, the running backs, I, you know, I think they did enough in the running game to make it work. Uh, obviously Jackson's long run makes it look a little better than it was. Uh, but yeah, uh, as far as the receiving game and I think mixing things up, I think they did establish the run a little too much in this game, but right. this felt like a game where it wasn't quite as bad and they were still diversifying their targets and receivers. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't think it was quite as bad as it was in other games, just based right. on kind of the tempo. Um, so I was fine with it other than all the Blage carries. Um, so, I mean, yeah, good, uh, good for the team to pull out this win, particularly on offense. Uh, you know, the rough game, I guess, today on offense was, uh, Jalen Guyton. Uh, that was all the drops, you know, that, that was kind of rough for me, uh, especially because he had been playing so well. Uh, in these recent games, um, you know, all of that, you know, wide receiver too. Can we replace Mike Williams talk? I feel like that was quieted quite a bit this week. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, but overall great game for the offense, um, you know, putting up 38 points in the, in the way they did. Uh, I thought it was just uh, really impressive. Yeah. It was nice to see them actually go out and, and, you know, play to their capability against a team that was, you know, the usual Chiefs are not inferior, but this group of Chiefs were definitely inferior compared to mm-hmm. what the Chargers, you know, have done in the past. So the running game is it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, Daniel Popper seems to think that Joshua Kelly and Kalen Blage will, you know, duke it out for the, the third running back spot next year. We'll have to kind of see what that is like. Um, you know, Balazs, he just hasn't been super efficient ever since that Las Vegas game where he showed up and, and you know, really showed out. But uh, we'll have to see. He had 13 carries, 36 yards, and a touchdown today. Um, I just don't think he's necessarily being used right. It just seems like he's always just up the middle or or nothing else. Um, but I thought Justin Jackson played well. He had nine carries, 72 yards. Obviously, the one long one of 34 yards. Um, so we'll see. Joshua Kelly didn't have a single carry, though. So uh, I think after he gave up that sack, it was like, all right, we're done. <laughs> we're not playing him anymore. So, you know, I'm hopeful that he can turn it around next year. But I don't know, man. It's going to be, I just have a tough time envisioning him becoming, you know, just this, you know, stellar RB2 when he really didn't show anything outside of the first week against the the Bengals. 
Yeah, right now, Jux- Juxon, Justin Jackson has it. He just has that it factor that the other guys yeah. other than Eckler don't have. Yeah. Um, I thought Balazs could have been something different just because the way he's built, but uh, possibly because the well, well, part of it's because the way they used him. I don't think Balazs has had received a target since like the second game that he played or something like it feel like all every time he comes in they hand it off there's no secret to it yeah it's always up the middle too yeah i mean so of course he's not going to be very efficient because all he's doing is running the football or at least fake it or try something but they continue to do the same thing over and over unfortunately i haven't seen kelly get i mean obviously benched or inactive too so it's hard to tell but you know he hasn't really received a whole lot of targets either so what is like what is his role going to be just like a kind of a runner I thought it was using like a Jordan Howard kind of guy, just like three yards in a cloud of dust or whatever. And I guess that's kind of Howard's a little better than that. But you know, Kelly's just kind of that guy right now. So I don't, I don't know, like what, what do they offer moving forward? Kelly doesn't really have that special teams thing going for him. He's not much of a runner, and so far I haven't seen him do much in the passing game. So it's possible that a change of head coach and offensive coordinator can, and obviously an upgraded offensive line can do something for him. Uh, but for yeah. right now if you told me that both of them duped it out for the RB three job, but they both lost it some, some undrafted free agent. I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of a sad scenario that we're talking about Joshua Kelly, maybe duking it out for RB three. <laughs> um, and it's yeah. just telling of the way the season went, when a lot of people were like, Oh, could he jump Justin Jackson? Not even close. Um, so that's the disappointing thing in regards to his season. Um, I, I think with a full off season, he could definitely be better and kind of more grounded in the system. Um, and, you know, not so much jittery, definitely hopefully better on special teams or just don't give him special teams responsibilities at all next year. Um, whatever you want to do. You know, I, we, we saw the missed punt in the Jets game where uh, he got Ty Long killed. Uh, you know, the one today was pretty bad um, on the sack. So I, I just don't really get what he brings going forward. I think he'll definitely improve as a runner uh, next year, just based on having a full off season. But uh, I'm honestly not any more convinced than, or really less convinced than when they made the pick that he's going to play a significant running back role in the future. Yeah, you know, it stands to reason that uh, Austin Eckler will be healthy next year. And, and, you know, I don't, we'll have to see if, if whoever is the coach decides to make him a full on workhorse like he, he was when he was healthy this year. Um, I think that usage probably needs to be toned down a little bit, but I don't know, man. It's tough to see a path for Joshua Kelly. So I, I thought another bright spot today was the tight ends. You know, Steven Anderson had three catches for 52 yards and Donald Parham, the, Seven, I'm not convinced that he is six eight. I'm like 99% sure he is seven feet tall. Every time I see him next to him in offensive lineman, he's just like towering over them. And it's just absurd that the way you know the way he moves is just crazy to me. So he had uh three catches, 37 yards in that touchdown, which was a beautiful, beautiful play by Justin Herbert. The pocket management on that one was just you know, it was Patrick Mahomes esque, it really was. And uh, so I you know, six catches between the two of them, uh. 80, 89 yards and a touchdown. I think that's really good production for really the third and fourth string tight ends for, for the chargers. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think Parham, you know, they've been hesitant to really use either tight end as the yeah. tight end two when Henry's healthy, um, especially after Virgil green went down. 
it wasn't really either of them but honestly like just the way that parham looks like i don't see why you can turn him into a dallas goddard type option like on this team uh to be a tight end to to run two tight end sets decent blocker um obviously great speed for his size i i just don't get why they're so hesitant to really give him that role and maybe we'll see more of that in year two when he has a full off season and it you know isn't coming from uh, a sports league that folded but you know i, <laughs> yeah. I think we'll see a little bit more of that in, in year two um but yeah i'm just really excited for Parham because i really think just like when you watch him he's just so clean in his movement uh, yeah. As you said, I, I think he's a good blocker. You know, I just don't see why he can't be that guy uh, and be that second tight end to Henry's, uh, you know, main kind of a main role. And I, I think he could really do that next year. And then maybe Steven Anderson or someone else, uh, you know, kind of his tight end three. Um, you know, I, I don't think Virgil Green's going to be back and maybe they'll draft a tight end. Uh, I know Daniel Popper was talking about maybe them drafting a tight end in the top three rounds. Um, personally, I, with what you have in Parham and Anderson, I just don't see a reason to do that. I'm down against, you know, getting a guy in round six, round seven, round five, maybe. But to me, like with Parham and Anderson, like I think you have something here. Like I, I, I don't think it's, um, you know, kind of a one hit wonders in these games for them. I, I think they're, really solid options uh, going forward behind Henry. Yeah, I'm slightly hesitant. I mean, I, I don't think Virgil Green is back. I do think that that's part of the offseason the Chargers are going to have where they have to make difficult decisions. Um, I don't think either Parham nor, you know, or Anderson or, or blockers like Green is, but you you can just get another guy like that, hopefully in the draft. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the Broncos game, so I couldn't tell you how they did, um, but I heard good things about Anderson. Um, and I believe Parham and a couple, I don't know. Anyway, Parham, I thought was a guy who's just going to be like that gadget sort of guy, um, maybe like a tight end drag sort of guy, you know, some yak plays. That's about it. But he's actually moving a lot better. I mean, yeah. just that touchdown. I did not think that, like in the guy who looks like he's seven feet tall would be able <laughs> to make like a perfect basketball move yeah. and, and score a touchdown. So what he's doing is really interesting. And the fact that the Chargers have him for another year is really, really great. So um, do I think either guy is enough or, you know, to combined, I guess, is enough to you know, not re-sign Henry? I don't think so. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't gamble on that. But uh, I don't know. I can almost see them convincing themselves that that would work or just drafting a tight end. Um, but I think if you don't have Henry, you don't have a really good blocker. Like, I think Henry's a block, better blocker than either. I uh, can't stand watching Anderson play special teams. They <laughs> <laughs> missed blocked punt and a blocked field goal which yeah. is which is garbage but as a receiving threat hey not bad so um it'll be a pretty solid like tight end trio next season if everybody returns and good for telesco for finding these guys honestly like you know he obviously drafted henry um found parm from the xfl and signed anderson formerly with the i think the texans or something like that and you know it works like when you sign decent depth like you he signed a vet yeah. Right. He had green, which is not really receiving that, but that's fine. But he had, you know, had green, had a, a vet in Anderson and had some really intriguing developmental guy with Parham and it worked. You know, imagine if he did that with the offensive line, how good this oh. season would have been. But apparently we can keep five tight ends on the roster, including <laughs> neighbors. Here we go. Okay. I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> As you ready? Versatile tight end. 
27 yards. Oh, that's what man. we got this season. 27 <laughs> fucking yards out of Gabe Neighbors with a coach that wants to run the football a lot. Could have had somebody else. But we got 27 yards. Anyway. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I was going to bring that up, and I'm glad you brought it up on your own. That was uh-huh. – it was – oh, man. I, you know, I thought Gabe improved as a blocker, but, you know, I just never really understood the whole thing. Like, if you want to be a running football team, why would you not keep the physical blocking fullback? But anyways, that's a discussion from about three months ago. Um, my last positive takeaway today, it's the future Walter Payton Man of the Year, Isaac Rochelle. Getting his sack, you know, I, I love that he tweeted out last night, dreaming of sacks, spoke it into existence, got a great sack on Chad Henney. You know, really, he's a he's been pretty good the last few weeks. I think he's a much better run defender than people give him credit for. And, you know, I, I gave him some, some slack early in the season as a pass rusher. He clearly is not like any, you know, he's not as good as Uchenna Nwosu or Bosa or any, anything like that, but to see him specifically after the Walter Payton nomination and all this on all those things and stuff like that and get that sack and end the season on the right note. It truly was just a good thing to see for a person who's doing so much for his community. And uh, if you're listening to this right now, please go tweet hashtag it and give Isaac some more love. I think he's well-deserving of that award and it was just truly fantastic to see him get that sack today. I mean, it's been pretty hilarious to see uh, Chiefs fans go yeah. full uh, election fraud on, uh, <laughs> on on Isaac Rochelle's Walter Payton Man of the Year. Like, they're trying to see, uh, did the Chargers have, like, fake voting machines or where, where the fans are hashtagging it? Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's what we that's what they're going to investigate with the, with the Chiefs. But, I mean, no, it was good to see him get that sack. Um, I always think he was reasonably good depth. Um, you know, yeah, obviously forced into a starting role because of Bosa and Ingram and, and Wosu all going down in the same season, which is terrible. Um, but uh, it was great to see him do well um, and, you know, continue to play well. Didn't get the kind of pressure uh, as, a, you know, as a unit for the D-line today. Uh, it's just been more of the same where. It's just kind of, uh, you know, Jerry Tillery not taking that step forward combined with, you know, Linval Joseph having to do a lot of the work himself. So um, it's really been him and Isaac Rochelle the last few games, and Rochelle's been pretty good. Uh, I think he, he had a sack two games ago, I think, uh, the Raiders game, right? Um, yeah. No. But yeah, I think it was that one. Um, so, you know, ultimately solid efforts. Uh, I think the team played pretty well. Um, the defense had some moments in the first half that <laughs> made me concerned, but ultimately the defensive line for what the situation is missing Bosa, Ingram, uh, and, and Wosu, I'm just happy they finished the season and didn't look totally bad. Really, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I definitely underestimated Isaac Rochelle heading into this season because I thought in 2018, he had a nice season filling in for Bosa. Obviously he's not Joey Bosa, but I thought he had a pretty decent, like decent role filling in. Um, but then t- last year he just kind of disappeared. Um, yeah. didn't register. I mean, registered nine pressures the entire season, uh, which is not a good. Uh, but for him to finish, you know, they don't have they don't have the updated totals for him right now. But he'll probably have like I don't know, 17, 18 pressures to finish the season. You know, a, a trio of sacks, um, of career high in tackles, I guess. Um, for him to finish like that in a season where, you know, if it was like I don't know. Who's a player? 
I feel like Joe Gaziano was nominated for Walter Payton Man of the Year. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I would have voted. We would have voted for him, sure. But it's yeah. like, you know, who, like, what are you actually doing on the football field? Not that that matters. This is the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, or not the Defensive Rookie or Defensive Player of the Year Award. But, you know, for so for Rachel to go through this process and also kind of win the favor of the fans through it by, you know, the deflection against the Raiders or the safety today. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to see. I like, and I've, I yeah. really have appreciated Chargers fans rallying around Herbert, rallying around Isaac Rochelle. You know, Rochelle was behind. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's behind by, you know, Kelsey by, you know, 10,000 votes or whatever it was. And the next thing we see, he's gained like 80,000 votes and he's ahead by 50,000. Yep. I mean, what a, what a cool thing. I found out apparently that the, we don't actually vote for the Walter Payton man of the year. We just vote for the $25,000 charity thing. Um, which kind of sucks, but either way, Rochelle, you yeah. deserve it. Congratulations on a nice season so far. And, um, he went from a guy that I really just thought was kind of a waste, not a waste of a roster space, but a guy who wouldn't come back next season to a guy who, you know, has earned himself another contract, very small, cheap, clear depth role, but Hey, yeah. you know, six round, you know, seventh round pick, you know, not bad doing all right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, he's, he tweeted, at me a, a few weeks ago that he would come on the show so uh you know isaac if you're listening to this uh, i think you should uh follow up to that promise man um anyway so guys any other... retweets for you so far yeah. but you know whatever i know honestly <laughs> that lt that lt giveaway jersey gave him two thousand votes man so uh i'm happy to play you know we're all happy to play our part and like you mentioned i thought you did a great video and just kind of you know shouting out chargers fans for you know, getting behind their players, you know, and Justin Herbert, he better be up for freaking rookie of the week because he deserves it. Um, guys, any you know, other I posi- think it's bullshit. real quick, real quick. Why, why can't me and Tyler win the Jersey, Steven? This, this is, has to be, a I have one. They, they have landed on me before. It has landed on me before. Yeah. You know, Tyler. I mean, we, we do work on the show. We should be able to win one of these jerseys. <laughs> But um, no, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's a great jersey giveaway for the fans. Uh, happy for the guy that won. His name is escaping me right now. Uh, but it just really fun all around. And we got Rochelle votes. So I hope he wins Walter Big Man of the Year. Now that Tyler said that they don't actually base the votes on that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not too thrilled about that. But if we can get 25000 to his charity, that's awesome. Alex, you don't get to win because you're not actually on this podcast, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyone yeah, who's listening right. to this, anytime like, you I'm shout us out. I'm barely even involved anymore. Yeah. <laughs> also, I got a, this is, Festivus already passed, but this is an airing of grievances. Every time that on Twitter, someone tags the show, they only tag Tyler and Steven. It's like, I don't exist. I am the ugly child. Look, some, sometimes people tag Jason over me, and Jason's been out of the show for like four months. <laughs> also, congrats to Jason for getting engaged today. But, yeah, congratulations. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, please start tagging me. I have to feel like I do something here sometimes. Yeah, honestly, we got to get Alex back. You know, we got to get Alex over 500 followers next, you know, and um, I, he just, you know, Alex is a great guy and he's a good person to follow on Twitter, you guys. So make sure you follow him. And if you're listening and ever want to give the podcast a shout out, please add him. <laughs> um, all right, guys, any other positive takeaways before we move on to, uh, you know, the coaching discussion? I think I have to shout out, I don't know what his stat line was today, but I have to shout out Linval Joseph for closing out the season yeah, with a string of good really call. good games. 
you know, a guy that, you know, I liked him so much because of the hustle that he provided for the team. You know, yeah, he's, you know, run stuff or pass rush or whatever, but just like a guy is just hustling all the time. And to see him still in week 17, hustling down the line of scrimmage to try to go make a tackle and, you know, still one guys on, you know, on fourth down or whatever. Um, I'm impressed, seriously. Almost a, you could call it a career year for him, honestly, at age 30, whatever. And I, I honestly didn't think that he would have the biggest impact compared to maybe like Balaga. Um, but for Joseph to have played so many snaps, but yet still be so productive and still in it, um, that's pretty cool. Like uh, he's been a fan favorite since the beginning because everyone was hyping him up and you know, how big he was, how amazing he was, how, how, you know, how, something different than Ebane finally. And for him to actually deliver on the promise of what you know he was hyped up to be, that's pretty cool. So even in week 17, working his ass off, I love it. I really appreciated all his hard work this season. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Mike Williams. I mean, a lot of the last recent yeah. weeks have been like, you know, should we pick up the $15 million option? You know, should we, do we think he's really wide receiver number two? Um, you know, all of that kind of conversation. And he played really well today. Um, six receptions, 108 yards. Um, you know, so it was kind of, you know, not quite his last season role where it was like 20 yards a catch. Um, but, it, you know, 18 yards per reception, one touchdown, you know, a lot of it was on the 48-yard catch, but he also had some great uh, intermediate tar- uh, intermediate targets today. Uh, I thought his relationship with Herbert was on point, and uh, it, it gives me faith going into next season that he can have a big year. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll eclipse that thousand-yard season uh, that he had with Philip Rivers, but you know, if Justin Herbert is kind of on that page with him, um, <laughs> and also I guess if Jalen Guyton drops the ball four times, <laughs> um, I think that you'll see. Uh, a lot more Mike Williams next year, just having more time with Herbert. Uh, and I think you'll see him get into that comfort zone. Yeah, I do agree with that. And, you know, it's this very similar conversation with Hunter Henry, right? And, and you know, he, Justin didn't have any reps with with those guys in, in the training camp. And so I, I think Mike Williams will have a much better season next year. And I think Hunter Henry will as well. Um, you know, you mentioned Linvad Joseph, uh, he hit over 60 tackles this year for the first time since 2017. Um, he did not record a sack, unfortunately, um, but he basically doubled the amount of pressures that Brandon Mebane was, was giving this team. And, you know, it was just different. He clearly is not the same kind of, of player that he used to be, but to see him come in and get over 60 tackles and, you know, get 20, I think it's like 28 before today. And I think he had three or four today. So, uh, to see him basically be third on the team in pressures, like, you know, it, it, it was a uh, really fun time to watch him play. And, um, you know, we'll have to see what they do with the defensive tackle position behind him. But, you know, I think Levi Joseph had a fantastic season this year as well. So, all right. So let's get into the coaching conversation. Um, you know, I'm going to try and get this up and posted, you know, relatively soon after we record this, uh, you know, we're recording Sunday at, at 9 p.m. right now. Um, so we'll see what happens tomorrow. Jay Glazer reported earlier this morning that Anthony Lynn is going to have a meeting with the Spanos family tomorrow morning. Um, Jay Glazer reported also that he expects them to be fired or him to be fired, excuse me. Um, but then you look at, you know, Jeremy Fowler said he thinks is a 50 50 shot. Ian Rappaport has, has kind of changed course. Uh, and, and then you have Adam Schefter on, um, Sunday countdown this morning said that he thinks that Anthony Lynn is going to be gone. Uh, I personally feel like it's a 50, 50 shot that Anthony Lynn is gone. Um, Alex is the most sure of us that Anthony Lynn is going to be fired. So Alex, I'll let you start this off. 
Why do you feel so confident in this team moving on from Anthony Lynn? Uh, and what was your thought of, of, you know, did today play any kind of role in it? Or what are your thoughts overall in this situation? Yeah, I mean, my main thought is that I think this has been decided for a long time. Um, the fact that we, after the Bills game, we're seeing reporters like Benjamin Albright and Albert Breer be like, hey, Josh McDaniels, or hey, Brian Dable. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was a good sign um, for Anthony Lynn at that point. And then you talk about the 45-0 loss to the Patriots. Um, and I know they've gone on this four-game winning streak. I just, I don't think it's done enough to, you know, make it very clear that he should be back next year. The other problem is, you know, he has one year left on his deal and they're not going to let him coach on the last year of his deal. So you basically have to fire him or extend him. Um, And those, those are really the two options. So, you know, are you extending him based on what he did this year? I just don't see the organization extending him with how, you know, uh, enviable this coaching position is, you know, so I could, I see Anthony Lynn getting the job back and the chargers being like, you know, um, kind of give him a mulligan, you know, based on everything that happened this year with injuries and the development of Herbert, it's possible. I could see it, but to me, it's much more like a 20% chance. It just feels like everything is, um, kind of pushed against Lynn with, you know, how the team performed earlier this year, um, the four games that he played, you know, in, in this winning streak, not really looking great. Um, there were, you know, this game today was fun, but they were playing the just backups and we saw the struggles and coaching mistakes against the Raiders and the Falcons and the Broncos. So to me, I think the decision was already made. I think the job is too enviable. And I just think, you know, do they really want to move into the future with him? Uh, and Herbert, I, I just have a hard time if you're really trying to build a contender that that's, that's the thought process on the last year of his deal. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the reason that I was really confident that, you know, especially after the Glazer report where he said he expects Lynn to be gone, Schefter said kind of the same thing. <laughs> Rappaport hasn't actually reported anything. He just tweets out emojis whenever the Chargers win a game. Um <laughs> And that that's his version of reporting on the Lynn thing, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, when you add it all together um, and the fact that the organization has been pretty radio silent, you know, you know, about whether he's coming back, he hasn't heard anything from management. I just feel like that all kind of points in one direction, which is that he's fired. Um, and, you know, you look at Mike McCoy, who obviously is the other Telesco coach and he kind of followed the same path um you know two winning seasons a losing season and then a losing season really when it came to when it came time to make a decision about an extension um and you know I think Lynn's kind of in that same position right now and that's why I see him uh gone after this season it's been a bit of a roller coaster for me and and for those of us. Well, I guess Alex was on the whole season too. Sorry, I already forgot you're on the podcast. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, Alex. <laughs> um, okay, recover, Tyler. Uh, we were kind of the guys that thought there wasn't much of a chance Lynn was going to be gone, considering what was going on earlier in the season. Um, I think that the you know the, the development of Justin Herbert. Oh my God, what happened? Like this guy is way better than we thought. I thought that would be enough to save his job. 
And up until, you know, even like the Broncos game, like I thought, you know, Lynn took the offense, not that it's really all him, you know, and they scored 30 points in Denver, which the Chargers haven't done in forever, you know, and they had, they were on the verge of winning before the defense collapsed. I thought, you know, how much is Lynn really, you know, helping this defense? Not, Lynn's not doing a lot on defense. So maybe you get rid of the defensive coordinator and change up something on defense and you're okay. But then you go to the Buffalo game or the Miami game and some of these games are just, and everything just starts to unravel. And I thought I went from, you know, yeah, you could fire him, but I don't really think it's all his fault to, oh boy, he's making some really stupid decisions. Yeah. You have to get, get this guy out of here. You know, I, but then he's, you know, so I, okay. So I think he's going to be gone. I think there's no way you can keep him around, but the worst case scenario for those who want him gone just happened, you know, four games, win streak, not that any of the teams were very good. I guess you can say the Raiders were almost a playoff team, but otherwise these teams just weren't very good. Right. Um, I just, okay. I don't, there's two things. Well, three things. One, the bad season, the mismanagement, yada, yada. I think, one, they know that they have to make some money and get some fans this offseason because it's very exciting. The idea of Herbert pairing with just any other coach, even though, even the Bills offensive coordinator, you pair him with him, what kind of excitement is that? That's amazing. I would feel so confident about this team. And if you keep Lynn around, I'm considering just going to half the games. I'm a season ticket holder. I'd love to go to all of them. But am I going to waste my money, you know, and and time going to games where just they just don't care? I'm going to have to watch Gus Bradley and Shane Steichen and, and heaven forbid George Stewart and Anthony Lynn again. I don't want to do that. Um, so I think they just have this opportunity where they they know they need to make some sort of splash in the market, and then they can do that because the second thing they have great options. Yeah, you know, wherever you want to go, you know, with I'm sorry, Alex, in Urban Meyer. You know, would generate a lot of buzz. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, whatever. you're a Rutgers fan, anyway. Um, you know, but you know, Brian Dayball or or Robert Sala, Sala, Sala. Anyway, I don't know how you say his name, but I mean, either of those guys would, would drum up so much interest, and those are two really, really good candidates. Um, and I mean, that you can go Dave too if you want from the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs had pretty. Actually, no, they didn't have very good special teams today. We usually have very good special teams. Um, so wherever you go, there are so many better options than Anthony Lynn. I think yeah. you just kind of have to make the moves. You can do it for the future of your finances and for the future of the team. You have such good options. Obviously, nobody's a sure thing, but you hired a running backs coach three years ago, four years ago. So you could do worse. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like it really wasn't until the Denver game where I was like, OK, like this guy just he's not it right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then it just got worse from there, like you mentioned. And really, you know, I do feel a little bit bad for Anthony Lynn because, you know, I, I think, Tyler, you brought this up and, you know, Alex and I have talked about this before. He was such an upgrade over Mike McCoy. <laughs> and I still feel that way. There are still people who are like, well, who's worse, Mike McCoy or Anthony Lynn? Mike McCoy, like, he is the worst coach I've ever seen in my entire life. Without a doubt. Um, and Anthony Lynn, you know, for all his faults, the team plays hard for him and they easily could have packed it up after the, the Patriots game. And they didn't, they won four games in a row, regardless of, you know, it not was not super clean at all, but it was never, a, you know, a lack of effort and he deserves credit for that. And, you know, it was, you know, Alex brought this up in our, in our group meet today. 
not many coaches would have preferred to go into a situation where you know they've got an older roster they're playing they're going to play in a soccer stadium with a team relocating and Anthony came in and brought a lot of stability to this franchise and you know the reality is is I'm grateful for what he did for this team but it's just clear that they need someone who is so much better in in situational football because this team even now with a four-game win streak they are so so bad at situational football they're the worst two-minute offense I've ever I've seen in the league (laughs) this year it's every single time is so bad and you know I tweeted this out they've you know they've had a a two-minute opportunity to close the first half in every single game and before today they only scored like two touchdowns all year all year long so you know, they really need someone to come in and clean up the situational aspects of football for them to get over the hump. Um, obviously, you know, the cultural aspect of things and, you know, getting them to play hard is a different conversation, but, you know, they really need an upgrade in the X's and O's department because even with all the injuries this year, they easily could have won 11 games easily, easily. You yep. know, if Mike Badgley makes that field goal and, you know, if they're a little bit better in the Tampa Bay game and the Denver game, you never like, you never know if they have someone that's better in X and with the X's and O's, they easily win 11 games this year. And I think that is the really what is driving, you know, everyone's desire to see them move on from Anthony Lynn. And uh, we'll see. I still think it's like a 50, 50 shot because frankly, like Daniel Popper was saying, I just think that this family, the Spanos family is going to look at trying to keep continuity around Justin Herbert, and in the way that he has developed and, and try to convince themselves to keep Anthony Lynn and this offensive staff around. Um, if they do keep him, I do expect them to fire Gus Bradley. I just mm-hmm. don't think it's a match anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'm not as confident as Alex that Anthony Lynn is fired tomorrow. So uh, we'll see. I think that he should be. Uh, I'm just not super confident that he is going to be. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess now we should get into uh who are the candidates uh, for <laughs> I'll let Steven have the floor on Urban Meyer. How about that? Okay, so <laughs> uh, Chip Brown of, of 247 Sports reported on Saturday that Urban Meyer was interested in coaching the Chargers. And that was really the first time that we had seen Urban's name connected, like specifically connected to NFL teams, obviously connected to the Jaguars in that same report. And uh, Colin Cowherd tweeted this morning that he's hearing that that's basically – a lock. We'll see. I mean, I don't know how tuned into that situation Colin Cowherd is, but we'll see. He was right about Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Urban Meyer, I think he's one of the best offensive minds of our generation. I think he's a fantastic coach. He's accomplished a lot. He's won a ton of games. He's arguably one of the best college football coaches uh, really ever. I fully understand the concerns about Urban Meyer and specifically his health and the fact that if the Chargers hired him or if the Jaguars hire him, he's probably not going to coach for that team for more than five years because of his health issues. Uh, You know, there are some sketchy situations which have never been confirmed, uh, only allegedly Mm -hmm. discussed by people. Um, um, So I don't know. I understand the sec. I understand, understand the skepticism. But to me, there's no downside in hiring Urban Meyer. Like at worst, you know, he it brings a lot of buzz and makes this team one of the one of the most recognizable brands in the league. At best, he wins you a Super Bowl, and then in five years, he he sets his successor up, like he did with Ryan Day at Ohio State, and then the Chargers are golden. But like I said, I understand the skepticism, and ultimately, I do think if he does return to coaching, he's going to Jacksonville. 
Um, but I personally would be 100% in favor of hiring Urban Meyer. Yeah, but like there are downsides though. Like for example, what if he's like not good at his job? Um, <laughs> I mean, like that's a theoretical thing for me here. Um, you know, the fact that he wants personnel control um, yeah. that's something that worries me. And I, I know we can get into like, you know, is the rec- is recruiting the same thing as, you know, d- kind of developing players and going through free agency in the draft in the NFL. I, I mean, you can make the argument, but like, to me, we've just seen so few coach GM situations work. Really. The only one that works in this league is Belichick, right? Uh, having control of the Patriots. Um, and he, even he didn't have control because Robert Kraft uh, traded Jimmy Garoppolo over his head. So yeah, um, I just think there's so few situations where that works. And it seems like that's what, that's what Urban Meyer really wants. Um, you know, the health thing and the brain thing to me wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't directly related to stress from a job. Um, and that's what yeah. it seems like it's really aggravated by. So, you know, that, that to me, coaching in the NFL, I think you could really make the argument. It's more stressful than coaching in college. You're going to take more losses. You're going to take more hits. um, And and you're going to ultimately, you know, have more to think about in terms of trading players, in terms of signing players, drafting, like to me, that's a more stressful job. And there's ultimately a lot higher turnover um, than in college where you just have four and five star recruits coming through the door at Ohio state. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty, pretty annually. So I get why he's a big name. Look, I get he would sell tickets, but like, this is the same thing we talked about with Brady to an extent, right? Brady sells tickets for the first eight games, but if you're not winning those eight games, he's not selling tickets anymore. Right. Um, and I I think that's where I'm kind of at, like to me doing the big splash move for the sake of doing the splash move. Um, isn't great and do i think meyer could be a good coach sure i think he could but i think it it reminds me a lot of john gruden um coming into the league again with you know wanting the personnel control initially you know then hire mike mayock um not you know gruden hadn't coached in the nfl in a lot of years or meyer hasn't coached in the nfl at all I, i just have a lot of concerns and to me you know, I get the argument that he would be better at situational football than Anthony Lynn. I think he would be better offensively than Anthony Lynn. But to me, there's a lot of guys that you can get like Brian Dable and the other coaches available right now that have that, you know, situational football and offensive acumen without the drawbacks of Meyer. I think the what, well, other than the stuff that you guys already mentioned, I think the thought of him having extra personnel control Um, however much that actually is with this family. But let's assume that he talks to the Spanos family and that he is able to come and be the head coach of this team and get a certain amount of control that other coaches have not had before. I wouldn't hate that idea. There's no plan right now between Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco. I don't understand what each of them wants to do together. Like I, I, Telesco drops players. I'm like, okay, uh, I, I get some of these players. It makes sense. All right. And then Lynn wants to do a certain thing. And I think, okay, that might make sense. But combined, it doesn't work. And so the idea that maybe for better or worse, this one guy comes in and kind of has a little bit more of a, of a vision. And I'm assuming that he'd only take the job if the Spanos family backed off. You know, it would be interesting. I would like to see at least what a singular vision without some upstairs meddling 
would would do for him or you know even if he works with telesco like if i don't know i would just like to see either a head coach gm or heaven forbid it's the same person at least just have one vision you know if you want to be a if he, if if urban meyer wants to do the same thing lynn is doing and run the ball over and over again at least he'll go out and maybe drop some offensive linemen <laughs> yeah. he'll sign some offensive linemen and he'll he'll hire Bobby Holly, like, you know, everybody else should have done. And, <laughs> you know, so, you know, and, and that would be okay. Like if at least whatever he wants to do, if he at least goes out and tries to do it, that's more than I can say this, this organization has done so far. So while urban Meyer isn't very high, like he's not one of my top three choices, um, you know, good. I think he's a good choice. I, I think it would work. And as long as he would be joining and be given a certain amount of control, I think. Yeah. I think he's going to want full say in the, in the roster or, you know, for, for a little while and I could see him, you know, doing kind of what Bill Parcells did where he takes over as the coach and then he transitions into a front office position. I could see that happening. Um, but that's kind of why I just think he, he's going to end up in Jacksonville if he does decide to come in come back into the coaching world, because I think Jacksonville would give him everything he wants because, you know, he's Urban Meyer and he, he's earned that right. And, you know, I, I understand college football is different, you know, and he's never coached in the NFL. I, I, I understand but Urban Meyer, I think if he really wanted to coach in the NFL, I think he would figure it out. I think that he's one of the best coaches of all time for a reason, and I think he would be able to assemble a great staff around him, and I think that's kind of the difference between him and Gruden is that Gruden just hired his friends, and I think Urban Meyer would have the opportunity to be able to put a great staff around Justin Herbert. Maybe he would keep Pip Hamilton around. I don't know, um, but I, I fully understand. He's not my top, top candidate either. I still am, you know, all aboard the Brian Dable hype train. <laughs> I think after watching him just pound these teams the last few weeks, I think he's done nothing but help his candidacy. Uh, and I would love that, love to see that higher. And I just think it would be a much better fit for, you know, frankly, for Justin Herbert. I think, you know, the the offense that Dable runs is, is perfect for Justin. And, you know, in, in terms of second for me, it's still Robert Salah. Um, I know he's a defensive coach and I know that people – are kind of against hiring a defensive-minded coach. But the thing with Salah is that he is going to either take Mike McDaniel or Mike LaFleur with him and run the Kyle Shanahan offense. And I think Justin Herbert is a perfect fit for the Shanahan style. I think this team, you know, they've kind of dabbled in it this year. You know, you see a little bit every once in a while, Lynn's tendencies from his days with the Denver system. But I think, you know, the best you know, the best possible outcome for this coaching change is to get fully immersed in a Shanahan based system. You know, it's why I like Arthur Smith as well, who runs that system. Uh, I just think it's perfect for Justin Herbert going forward. So Urban Meyer is not my top candidate. If they hired him, I would be thrilled. And I think it would generate a lot of buzz and excitement. But like I said, I understand the skepticism and he's not my top candidate. I don't know if he's in my top three. Uh, Dable and Salah are for sure my one, my first and second choices, though. Yeah, um, I, I mean, just going into this, like, you know, <laughs> maybe this conversation will age really badly if they decide to keep Lynn tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. maybe we should maybe we shouldn't get too into the weeds. Um, and I'm sure you know we'll do a show tomorrow, maybe whatever the result is um, of the you know Lynn meeting, um, but. You know, for me, I really like Brian Dable, as you mentioned. I really like Robert Salah, although I don't think they're going to go in that direction. I really do yeah. think it'll be someone who is offensive-minded, um, like Josh McDaniels and, and the, all the guys they've mentioned. 
um, you know, in this last month. I think it'll be someone like that. If I had to predict right now, I really do think should they move on from Lynn, it will be Brian Dable. Um, I think that just makes a lot of sense with the Telesco um, relationship that people have mentioned. You know, what he's done with Allen is, you know, sort of a similar thing the Chargers kind of want to do with Herbert and that offensive explosion, right? Um, I, I think that it would fit a lot. Um, there are some sort of under the radar guys. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they interviewed Eric Bianami at one point. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see which guys they decide to interview. But to me, um, just based on Tom Telesco's previous hires uh, and what he's thinking here, I would kind of think uh, Brian Dable does have the clubhouse lead if there is one right now. I completely agree. And I think if Urban Meyer is truly attached to the Jaguars like he reportedly is, that kind of helps the Chargers in this case get someone like yeah. Dable because that Jaguars position is really intriguing. But if they're already locked up, or I guess the Jaguars would pursue um, you know, Day as well from Ohio State. So for whatever reason, they like Ohio State coaches. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, or not that I don't know why, but I don't know why specifically Ohio State unless you're getting in fields. Um, another story. The thing I like about Dayball is, you know, we look at some games this season. The Chargers could easily, because of four plays, have been, you know, 11 and five this season. Yeah. But Dayball doesn't leave it up to chance. Like watching him today, just throw two middle fingers out to the Dolphins and just <laughs> run, you know, yeah. everybody against the Dolphins. And Matt Barkley is throwing bombs. And, you know, yeah. for him, just like, I'm going to score 42 points. And, you know, Great. And I think that, you know, just even adjacently helps the defense, you know, out a lot, you know, instead of, you know, going up two runs and an incomplete pass and a punt, you know, you have a guy who's aggressive. And I think that aggressive nature is going to pay off for the defense too. You know, the Chiefs, again, the Chiefs aren't a good defense. They don't have a good defense, but they take the ball away really, really well. Um, and they don't turn the ball over that much. And so even though the defense maybe gives up, you know, a couple of touchdowns, they don't look that great. If they can give Mahomes two more possessions, it's over because Mahomes is going to score at least on one of those. Yep. And so if you can do the same thing for the Chargers, you know, be aggressive on offense and then have that carry over to the defense, that kind of philosophy to the defense. You know, I think that would really, really be a good formula because the Chargers have a, have a more better, they have better defensive talent than the, the Chiefs do. Um, so they can kind of replicate that same sort of style, I guess, the same, you know, cohesion philosophy. I think that'd be great. I think, you know, if, if considering Dable might bring over some of his own guys. I don't know who the Bills would promote to replace him, but if Dable could get someone like Ken Dorsey from the Bills, who's their quarterbacks coach, to come over with him to be the offensive coordinator, I think that'd be interesting. We all know Dable's going to be the offensive coordinator really anyway. Right. Um, so it doesn't really matter, but someone like Dorsey who worked with Cam Newton for, I think like from 2013 to 2017, you know, with him for his MVP season, you know, a guy who understands the dual threat quarterback, who then goes to the Bills in 2019, 2020, and works with Josh Allen, who is another dual threat quarterback and understands how to work these guys. You know, him coming over again, you know, to the Chargers now and being promoted to offensive coordinator, kind of, not really. Um, you know, I think that'd be an, an okay Pep Hamilton replacement because, you know, he works well with Dable, a guy who understands dual threat quarterbacks and has, you know, succeeded with those kinds of guys. Not that Herbert's a true, like, dual threat Kyler Murray kind of quarterback, but he certainly has the option to be able to, you know, do things with yeah. his legs. Um, so I think that staff would be, you know, pretty interesting as far as defensive coordinator. I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to see about defensive um, coordinator, but you know, Dable would be able to bring in a great offensive staff because he's got connections with Alabama. He's got connections with the Patriots. He's got connections, 
you know, through McDermott's connections with Carolina and Washington. And so I would be really excited about the staff that Dable Dable could bring in Um, defensively. You know, we'll have to see what what that looks like and what kind of, you know, his philosophy would be. But, you know, I think Dable would be an excellent hire. Um, Another name I think would be really interesting to at least bring in for an interview is Pat Fitzgerald. Um, He was linked to the Chicago Bears job for a little bit, but he seems to be more inclined to, uh, he, he's more interested in the NFL than previously thought because their athletic director left for a different job. So um, I think Pat Fitzgerald would be a really interesting candidate as well. Um, yeah. And two names that I think maybe go under the radar. Uh, we mentioned Arthur Smith uh, before offensive guy who I think is going to get a lot of attention. And the more I've thought about it, this is kind of an underrated possibility. I don't think this would actually happen. But we keep hearing more and more about how the Chargers kind of want to keep Pep and Steichen. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they made Pep Hamilton head coach. Um, from the standpoint of yeah. making him head coach, keeping Steichen as OC, but you know, getting Lynn out of the organization, changing up the situational coaching, it really wouldn't surprise me if he was the guy. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but maybe just something to keep in the back of your head. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, he deserves an interview for nothing else because of his relationship with Justin Herbert and, and, you know, being an effective play caller really, you know, half the battle, if not more is having a good relationship with your quarterback. And so I think that would be an interesting move. It would just, you know, it'd be really unorthodox to have, you know, the quarterbacks coach jump the offensive coordinator and have the offensive coordinator stay in that position. So it'll be interesting. And obviously we'll cover it more often once, once things come out. Um, I want to end with this because, you know, Philip Rivers gets a playoff game this week. Uh, I don't want to dive too much into it because I haven't watched any Colts games. But, um, you know, the Colts play at the Bills this weekend. Uh, I'm just going to ask you guys what percentage chance you give Philip Rivers of, of pulling off the upset. Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think about Phillip's chances, chances this weekend? I'm terrible with percentages, so I'll just say not good. Uh, as much <laughs> as I, like, I'm rooting for him for sure. Like, I'm yeah. obviously very much so rooting for Philip Rivers. But the Bills are just firing on all cylinders right yes. now. Everything seems to be working for them. You know, the Colts are like, they're talented enough. They have good pieces. I just, I mean, the way that I just don't think Rivers is winning a shootout. The Bills are just putting up, you know, 35, 42. I mean, they, they scored like 56 points as a total, you know, offensive, defensive unit or special teams, whatever. I just don't think the Colts can keep up with that. Yeah. I mean, if I had to put a percentage on it, I guess I'll say like 20 ish percent. Um, yeah. I think they can do it if some things break their way, but you know, this is kind of the seven seed versus two seed matchup for a reason um, in Buffalo with fans in the stadium yeah. uh, with Josh Allen and all those guys. I mean, they just look really hot right now. You know, I've, I've said for a couple of weeks that I think the chiefs are definitive favorites in the AFC and I don't think that anymore. I, I really think it's between the Chiefs and the Bills. Um, I would still take the Chiefs, but not nearly as by much as I was before. But um, I hope he pulls off the upset. It would be it would be awesome to see him win kind of another uh, cool wild card game. Uh, but I, I think this is a bit of a bridge too far for him just because of how Buffalo's firing on all cylinders, offense, defense. Um, you know, Dable, as we've said, has been coaching up a storm and, you know, coaching like he really wants a head coaching job. Um, yeah. and Dermot is a really great leader too. Uh, so 
I give them a chance, but to me, you know, they would just be in such a better position right now for the playoffs if they didn't blow that game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, if that didn't happen, they would maybe win the division. Uh, So it's just tough to see what, you know, Rivers, unfortunately, blowing that game. But, you know, you're going against the Bills in the first round. Um, If he takes his shot and he makes it, uh, they might have a chance to win the AFC, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's there's definitely a chance, but I'm not going to go out and predict it either. It would definitely be a lot of fun to see him go out like this uh, and, and win this kind of playoff game. But, you know, the Bills have beaten some really good defenses the last few weeks, and they are firing on all cylinders. So I agree with Alex. I do think the Chiefs and the Bills are, are probably the two best teams in the AFC. Um, and I think that's going to be a heck of a, an AFC championship game. Uh, all right, guys, any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Good luck, uh, Chargers fans. <laughs> I don't know when yeah. you're listening to this, but I hope you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, if Anthony Lynn is fired, uh, I guess, you know, congrats to the Chargers fans. Uh, if Anthony Lynn isn't fired, uh, well, you know, my deepest condolences. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I guess the one thing I will say about Anthony Lynn um, and Steven mentioned it before, you know, Lynn did take a job uh, no one wanted uh, and, you know, moved a team to Los Angeles <laughs> with a lot of players who didn't want to go. Um, and I'll always be a little bit disappointed that it didn't work out, uh, unfortunately, with yeah. Anthony Lynn. Um, I really did kind of think for a while he would be the guy, especially in 2018. Um, so I'm, I'm disappointed it didn't work out, but, you know, I think it's the best for both sides and maybe Anthony Lynn gets another head coach opportunity at some point down the road. Um, but yeah, as we said, I respect him a lot more than a Mike McCoy or a North Turner. I think he's a great guy. Um, he was the man for the moment, but just yeah. isn't the man for, you know, this next era of chargers football. And so, you know, sign our Anthony Lynn, uh, I hope, or if you're back, this is going to be really awkward, but <laughs> you're back, I guess. Yeah. If he's back uh, tomorrow, it's going to be really awkward, but Hey, you know, we'll, we'll cover the team regardless. And like Tyler said earlier, there's still a lot of things to be excited about this team. Even if, even if he does come back as the coach, um, we'll see though. You know, I, I hope you guys are all in a good mental state tomorrow. Um, you know, I'm going back to, back to work. Christmas break is over. So I'm hopeful that, you know, everybody else is going to be able to have a a wonderful Monday tomorrow and not be too affected by the news or lack thereof. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. Good luck. Have a good week. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 